0: all right well good evening or good morning everyone depending on where you might be Um, this is Mike hander check it in with betty saris from united by adoption today welcome betty
1: Thank you so much, Mike. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: Thanks for joining us. Please introduce yourself to the audience and um, tell us what you do.
1: Okay, Well, Greetings, everyone. Um, At United by Adoption, we provide a range of services um, and resources to assist adoptive parents in navigating the world with greater ease. our offerings include valuable resources on cultural sensitivity, understanding the intricacies of transracial adoption, as well as an impressive collection of recommended books and podcasts related to our cause. Um, first and foremost, as part of that is offering coaching services to adoptive parents. Honestly, I firmly believe that you know our mission to make this journey of transracial adoption smoother for, for all families involved, especially ensuring uh, you know, a bright future for children of color within our families. We eagerly you know anticipate this important work together. Um, so I'm very happy to be here, you know, for, for this the beginning of this very meaningful journey.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us, Betsy. Can you tell us how how did you get into this or what made you start this service?
1: My children are currently 20 and 21 years old. Uh, One adopted uh, initially from China at six six months of age. And then my son uh, later when he was three and a half years of age um, and he was born in Guatemala. You know, it's at the start of the journey, you know, while I thought I had everything I needed in order to, you know, be the best mom I could be and, and and do everything right. And I thought I had a lot of I thought I had a lot of I was ready, you know. Um so there were a lot of things along the way that I missed. Um and just to fast forward your question when my daughter came home after her uh, first year at college, she came home, you know, for summer break, you know, when she came to, she came to me, when we were in a kitchen and she had a very sullen look on her face and I was like, you know, honey, what's the matter? And she was quiet and she shared with me, this that mom i need to talk to you and i have to say that you weren't you know you weren't there for me when i was a kid and i to myself i'm like i wasn't there for you you know how we we were dinners every night together i went to everything you know and what she meant by that was that I didn't understand the difficulty she was experiencing. I I didn't tune into that. And as, you know, a white person all my life, you know, I didn't really understand the uh, challenges, intricacies, uh, microaggressions that happen, you know, occur for people of color. And when she shared that information with me and we talked a little bit more um, you know, I, I was devastated, you know, as a parent, that's the last thing you ever want to hear. And so, you know, I took it all in and I, I, you know, what I did say, you know, we, you know, we really did, the, you know, the best we could, we thought we were doing things right, but I hear you and, and what can I do? And, you know, um, and, if anything at this point, you know, I, like, um, but that question really wasn't for her. It was for me. What can I do? But in the meantime, I gave her a huge hug because she was very tearful and it's hard. It was hard for her to say that too. So, I, you know, she has so much courage and I give her so much credit and, you know, I just hugged her and hugged her and I decided at that point that, no, no, this can't be how our story ends with you just saying, Mom, you didn't get it, and me saying, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to go there. That's not how it gets to end. I, I knew I needed to jump in and, make a, and start. What can I do? What can I do to make a change? Um, what can I do so other kids aren't experiencing that? um disconnection and that's really how the, the journey started which was actually four years three years ago now because she just graduated from college that's that long answer sorry for the long answer
0: a really personal journey for you so it came from a personal place a personal motivation as a transracial uh adoptive parent yourself and i understand uh, you also have another child that you adopted uh, of a different race. You were pretty skilled yourself, though, because uh, you, you were a juvenile probation officer, right?
1: Yeah. Yes, for 22 years. You know, and I, I wore many hats as a probation officer. And, you know, I love that job, you know, and, and, and love the families and the, and the kids. And I worked in various roles. And at the toward the end of my career, I spent three years working as the uh, court liaison for our our state psychiatric hospital, so we're you know kind of um, being a gatekeeper for the students, students, the kids coming in and from the court um, that were ordered for thirty day evaluations. You know, so I had a lot of I have a lot of experience under my hat, and then and then working in high school now you know, as behavior counselor, been doing that for a while. I've learned so much and, and, you know, I don't know if you're ever really prepared and they certainly don't prepare us well at the beginning of this, Mm. you know, in a uh, transracial adoption journey.
0: Um, And and as you explained to me that they also don't provide aftercare services. Once you adopt the children, they have a, few visits uh, at, at your home but they don't really provide any assistance with the integration or, or, or with the parenting is that right
1: yeah that's correct they were, you know they care they're like they're great people they you they really cared about how everything was going and they would they came in there were two, I believe two visits within a year's time and you know basically to say how's it going? everything okay and then again the same thing after a year you know just to make sure that there's there's no anything inappropriate going on because you you never know so but as far as you know after care services and the issues that come when you're a white family adopting a child of color it's it's you know I, i i wish i had more Experience. I wish they had helped me, us, and others I know personally. You know, navigate the complexities. And I wish I had that information. Is what I'm saying.
0: So, so what kind of complexities are these families dealing with? So, for someone who might be considering adopting a child from a different, of a different race, sorry. Uh, what, what what kind of challenges might lie ahead of them?
1: That's a good question. The complexities lie within our child, a person of color. And that's not their complexity. But within the family unit, me, myself, as as a white parent, I've never lived as a person of color. So the complexities that my children or our children face are looking different than the majority of their counterparts. Because the truth is many of transracially adopted children in the United States are, are, I wanna say most, if not all, but most are white parents and living in the suburbs. And most suburbs are pretty much Caucasian based. And there's not a lot of diversity, not enough. You know, two, three, five, seven, ten people doesn't make for a diverse community, and which is hugely important when um, you're raising, you know, children of color. And, you know, and that's something I didn't do. Um, Just for example, my daughter, and she never told me, but people were making fun of her, her beautiful eyes. You know, her eyes are gorgeous, you know, and I always loved them so much. And then to hear that people made fun of them because they were slanted and they, you know, they had some words, which I'm not, of course, going to say here, but she didn't tell me that until later. Um, You know, and my daughter is very well-versed. She was, you know, she was really good at explaining herself and expressing herself as a kid, but she felt uncomfortable at the time saying that she was having you know, these issues. I, I think she tries to figure things out first before she actually shares it. And and she couldn't, she just didn't understand it. She took it very personally. And mm. it just it just enforced how different she felt from the majority of kids around her. And, you know, it, it so really
0: What about the parents doing wrong who might be in this situation? Though? um
1: It's not that parents are doing things like wrong. I think parents are doing the best they can. You do the best you can with the knowledge you have. And if you don't have that knowledge, you know, that that focus in understanding the complexities of living mostly, you know, in a white household as a person of color. A lot of kids identify, you know, as white. In their heads without thinking about it as they get older then they realize oh i'm not i'm not white i'm i'm different i look different from my parents mm. i look different from mostly everybody which happens um a lot you know it's it's the case for many um kids adopted transracially, transnationally and the other thing is What's good right now is there's been a movement by transracial adoptees who are coming out and speaking out about all of this. Their voices, you know, their voices are being heard. There's their um, websites, YouTube channels, podcasts, books. They're being seen and as they should be seen. Adoption is just not a happy story. Hey, you know, I'm adopted and I'm glad, you know, thanks very much. They had a life as short or as long as it was before adop- adoption. And so so think- if
0: these issues, like in the families that, that you just mentioned, like if they're not resolved, where there is not that understanding and uh, recognition for these differences, and it, it's not being spoken about and brought to the open, what kind of challenges do those do, do these issues? Result in the family dynamic.
1: You know, kids knowing that. Because they're basically, and I as an adoptive parent, you know, we're, we're raising our children. This is, the, you know, our gotcha day. The day of adoption is the start of our lives together, which is true. It's the start of our lives together. You know, but they they weren't just, you know, plopped down here you know, from the sky and, you know, we adopted them. They had this whole life that many of us were, are unaware of what really happened. You know, some have the luxury of of knowing some background history, uh, you know, but many don't, including me. You know, I thought, I wish I, I wish I could give my, my kids that, that information because, you know, you want to know about where you came from. It doesn't, you know, you want it like most kids like, oh, I look like my mom or my dad. You know, well, you know, kids who are adopted and are of color with white parents can't really say that. They can't, not really. They can't say that at all. You know. And it's natural. It's just a, it's a natural to want to know. Hey, what what was it like when you were in my belly? You know, what was it in your belly? What was it like when I was born? You know, what was it like, you know, was I a good baby mom? You know, kids, well, so my daughter, I'd say, oh, honey, you're an amazing baby. You were awesome. Beginning at six months old when we adopted you. I don't know. You know, I'm sure she was the same before that, but I don't know, you know, so there's pieces missing and, you know, and, you know, sometimes they wonder when we have Mother's Day or Father's Day, you know, we do maybe as a this is as a family saying leave a place for their first family, their first mom or their first dad, which would be the biological parents. You know, this is just a thought in my head, you know, as we're mm-hmm. speaking. Um I have a lot of thoughts in my head about all this because I, you know, as much as I know, there's always still so much more to learn, you know, and transracial adoptees are are the best teachers in that they share their experiences. They have, there's no, they don't need to teach me or anybody else, but when they share their experiences and what's gone right and wrong, you know, I, I hear them, I'm listening. And I, I want to help families um, do it better.
0: That's really beautiful, Betsy. So you bring uh, 30 years of experience in working uh, with kids, with children with difficulties, and you're a transracial adoptive parent yourself. So you really bring a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge and empathy to the table, understanding and uh, or uh, really ahead in this journey to to help these parents.
1: That's my that's my goal. That's my passion. That's my mission. Um, I you know I really care. You know I, I care about kids. I care about families. I, I want you know I I love to see people being happy and leading productive lives. And I mean for most of my adult life, and even probably as a kid when people were having issues and difficult times, I've always wanted to help, you know, that's kind of me. Um, but, you know, I'm narrowing and focusing on this most passionate, you know, version of my desire to help. And uh, that's that's where I'm coming from right now.
0: Well, thank you so much, Betsy. So if anybody uh, needs help as a transracial adoptive parent, uh, please do reach out to Betsy. Uh, where can people find you, Betsy?
1: They can go directly to unitedbyadoption. Um, dot Yes. Yep. And they can also reach me via email um, at betsy at unitedbyadoption. dot um, Either way, I would be happy to, very happy to speak. You know with. Anyone like would would like a consultation, I'm offering free 30 minute consultations to discuss what's happening for you um, or what's not happening. And, you know, and I just want to put this out there for, for some families that I do speak with, you know, there's an area that is great for coaching. And there's also an area that is meant for a mental health licensed professional and you know it's it's a fine line at times coaching versus therapy so and i'm i'm with my background i'm pretty good deciding you know what's needed and when um so i also have creating a list you know of uh, competent
0: adopters what what are the problems that coaching soul so what, what are the type of problems that your pe- people can reach out to you with
1: they can reach out to me pretty much honestly for anything that's on their mind regarding these issues these concerns uh, or like i said it's a 30 free 30 minute consultation so what people need to bring to that phone call or that meeting I, i'd like them to bring and so we can discuss it and see if I am the best fit for you. Um, I, if, if you're a client and it's, it's not mental health services that you need, I'm, I'm your person. I'm um, I'll be your coach guiding you along the way. And of course I have experience with mental health, but I am not a licensed clinician, you know? So um, there's a difference. and. I'm here to do all the things that Heights. I've already said.
0: Sure, but can you give us a couple of examples uh, of uh, the issues that you can solve through the coaching that fall under your competencies? Uh, what, what kind of problems might these families Absolutely. be experiencing? Absolutely, like concerns
1: about. You know when you're when your children, you're, you know, you're sitting around the, the table and 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 how they're how they're um, you know speaking about their day or what what they're saying and what they're not saying. You know, coaching people on the what issues. And what, not saying? Yeah, sometimes like sometimes you have to really read what your your child is not saying, when they don't say anything, you know, and and there's always more. Um, And, you know, that comes that to answer that question that really comes with, I would have to speak with a parent to hear their particular situation. Um, You know, what, i will i offer is really understanding what kids go through living as a person of color and since i've studied it so much i've lived it with through my children and who and also my my son doesn't say a lot but my daughter is very um, eloquent in the way she shares and speaks and so I have a great understanding of some of those issues. So I'll basically, I help parents navigate the, the, for example, microaggressions that their kids experience or might, might experience. And the microaggressions really are when when some, uh, someone says, "Oh, your, your eyes are so skinny, or your eyes are so, why are your eyes like that?" or like to, to, a, to an Asian person. You know, oh, you know your people started COVID, or um, or you must like eating Chinese food every night. It's it's like little things. Sometimes they're they come off as funny, but they 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 attack the person. And if you're let's see, you're, you're black, and and it's just you know people saying, oh, what do you want, watermelon for dinner? you know, you having watermelon, it, you know, it's, it's, and ha ha, but it's really not funny.
0: I imagine this causes harm in uh, the children over time and uh, they start to devalue themselves, which can later result in uh, different behavior issues, uh, rebellious behaviors, and uh, maybe even uh, being drawn to the wrong crowd in some cases.
1: Yeah, it really affects their identity. They're feeling different, and they're feeling um, maybe not enough, or they're mm-hmm. feeling they you don't, know, they're not, they're not as important as other kids. There's really no one around like them, you know. Um, and one or two or three kids doesn't cut it.
0: And, and Betsy, I understand you co-authored the book as well, uh, where you uh, wrote more in detail about this journey of yours
1: yes actually i did i um actually I have it behind me it was called awakening you the
0: did you, did you yes
1: it's called awakening the amazing in you and i was one of 13 co-authors and this journey though this was My story was about something I had written in college and while I was in journalism classes. And so the bottom line is my, my father died when I was a year old. I never got, I never met him. I never knew what it was like to hear his voice or hug him. He was the unknown, but I had the good fortune to be able to travel to Greece every few years to meet his family and spend time. So just think about it. You know, I had that, I had that chance to see what he was kind of like and they would tell me about him. So this was a huge loss to me, which I I write about in my story and how it affected me personally. But take this desire to, to know your birth, my birth father, and to be, I, you know, I was even mad that he, like, you know, why did you have to die, dad? You know? And, 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 uh, so can you imagine how a, a child who is adopted, who has no knowledge whatsoever of their biological family feels. So mm. it's just, it's brought me to a, a deeper understanding of the loss. Um, mm. you cannot even come, I can't compare it, but I, I understand it at a deeper level because of this. I I think
0: that's why you became such a wonderful empathic person, and uh, <laughs> you became able to help all the children you did uh, throughout your professional career, and now the transracial adoptive families as well.
1: Um, well, thank you, Mike. I, thank I, you, so I, much
0: do- Betty. I appreciate you joining our podcast and for sharing your journey. And your experience once again if you're a translational adoptive parent please book a free consultation with Betsy at unitedbyadoption.com and see how she can help you with the challenges you might be experiencing okay. thank you everyone thank you. bye thanks Betsy thank you so much
1: everyone thank you mike take care bye 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 <laughs>